0: Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome to another edition of Return of the Historic Faith. I am your host, the Remnant Warrior, Pastor Jeremy Anderson. And this episode is another in our Real Conspiracies series. And I gotta say that The episodes that we've played in our Real Conspiracies series, this series has been the most popular series on the entire podcast. As a matter of fact, it's actually been the most popular episodes. They've gotten more plays and more downloads than any episodes, including the episodes of The Remnant Report. You know, Kingdom Productions has had, well, we've had several podcasts over the years, but as far as, we've got several podcasts now, but as far as the podcast that I was hosting, We've had two, and the first one was the Remnant Report, and it was awesome. Remnant Report ran for uh, going on three years. Well, it did run for three years. And then after the Remnant Report, Matthew Marcel and myself started Return of the Historic Faith, and out of both of those podcasts, the episodes that we played of the real conspiracy series have just been the most popular ever. And that's because they are really good. The information is awesome. And it doesn't hurt that the guests on each episode are extremely knowledgeable and Extremely popular as well, and today's episode will be continuing with Tom Horn and also um, trying to remember everyone who's in this episode. I know Tom Horn and Steve Quell. There may be one or two more in this uh, conversation, because it's kind of uh, almost like a roundtable discussion, but you'll see what I'm talking about, because right now, without any further ado, we are going to jump in, episode three of the Real Conspiracy series.
1: This is the Reality Radio Network on Telstar 5, Transponder 5, and on the
2: Internet at realityradionetwork.com.
1: Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to tonight's edition of the Q-Files. This is the 13th of February, the year is 2006. This is a live broadcast, and before we go to my guest tonight, I want you to know that probably the biggest shot fired across the bow of the economies of the world is happening, even as the manipulators from the Federal Reserve and the Deutsche Bank and the uh, other people that are trying to, um, you know, sell off the metals today. Syria has decided to switch to euros amid confrontation with the U.S., Now, Syria switched all of the state's foreign currency transactions to euros from dollars amid a political confrontation with the United States, the head of the state-owned commercial bank of uh, Syria said on Monday. This is a precaution. We are talking about billions of dollars, according to the spokesman. The bank, which still dominates the Syrian market, although private banks have been allowed to set up in the last few years, also stopped dealing with dollars in the international foreign exchange flows of private clients. The United States has been at the forefront of international pressure on Syria for its alleged role in the assassination of former Lebanese prime minister Rafik al-Hariri a year ago. Damascus denies involvement in the killing. Quote, it looks like a kind of preemptive action aimed at making their foreign assets safer preventing them from uh getting frozen in case of any conflict. So Syria has switched to the euro. Now wait and watch the rest of the week. If this starts to cascade, then we'll know exactly our time frame for what's going to take place in the Middle East. Tonight with me, ladies and gentlemen, is Tom Horn. Tom is going to continue. We're going to talk about, again, psychotronics and transhumanism and, and the way that you can be protected. is not all bad news. Hi, Tom.
2: Hey, Steve. Thanks for inviting me back on.
1: Well, it was really good. You know, we, we get going so uh, you know, full speed ahead and then all of a sudden the hour's up. So let's talk about, you know, where we left off last week and I want you to continue on because, again, the idea of controlling people's minds by different waveforms of energy may be unfamiliar to some people, but it's quite advanced, is it not?
2: It's probably far more advanced uh, than we're aware. Um, and as we go on into this program tonight, we can talk about some of the government agencies that are investing uh, heavily in this research, which would illustrate uh, that it's not a fringe science. It's, it's, a, it's a working technology. Uh, which is being uh, perfected day by day and probably to some extent already in use, Steve.
1: Well, Tom, let's go right into it because, again, I don't think people realize how much money has been devoted to this and the ramifications. And then tonight, by the grace of God, we're going to get to the fact of what people can do to protect themselves because we do have a supernatural armor, but it's not uh, to be taken willy-nilly. So let's go into how much money is going to this who's funding it and what degree do you believe it's advanced to
2: well I'll tell you here's the degree that I believe it's advanced to Steve I believe it stops at the high it starts excuse me at the highest levels of our government and other governments uh, around the world in our last interview we had uh, we had just started talking about the connection actually between psychotronic warfare and transgenic science the uh, the altering of human and animal DNA uh, and where that could potentially be going and does it have any connection to uh, psychotronic warfare or even mechanisms that are that are being developed by the military or even other powerful uh, global leaders why would they do this what's the Purpose behind it? Why would they be investing so many dollars in it? Um, and when we and when we ended that show, uh, I was at a point where uh, I had also wanted to make the point that uh, you know some people confuse psychological warfare, psyops, with psychotronics, and uh, these are completely two different things. Even though to some extent they operate uh, in the same field, uh, in that uh, psychological manipulation of persons or entire groups of persons isn't necessarily done by machines that would uh, interfere perhaps, let's say, with brain waves or light waves or sound waves. uh, But psychological uh, manipulation of the masses uh, could be used through such things as fear. And the reason I bring this up, Steve, is because right now, as you are fully aware, and therefore your audience is fully aware because you keep them fully aware, doing the great job that you do, there is, this, there is this topic out there right now called the nuclear fear issue. Not necessarily the nuclear button, not necessarily that we have started nuclear war. We're talking about the threat of nuclear war, which of course can be a very powerful psychological uh, weapon that can uh, cause countries or people to be psyopted, controlled, manipulated, paralyzed into following a path or supporting a a government policy that they might not otherwise choose to follow. Therefore, they are having part of their own senses, their fear, used against them in order to manipulate them. Now, Steve, think back to uh, 2001. When uh, President Bush was giving his inaugural speech, and by the way, I, I want your audience, if they don't know this, I want them to know that I'm a lifelong member of the grand old party. I've been a conservative my entire life. Uh, I have voted Republican for as long as I can remember, uh, even though now these guys are probably going to drag me kicking and screaming into some <laughs> independent party. But, <clears throat> but think back in uh, 2001. When uh, President Bush was giving his inaugural speech, and twice, Steve, in that 14-minute speech, he asked this question. Does the angel in the whirlwind still direct this storm? Do you remember that?
1: Boy, I don't.
2: Well, he did. And you go back and get the archive tape. And listen to his speech, 2001, twice he said, Does the angel in the whirlwind still direct the storm? And that, that comment created kind of a buzz over Raiders News Update. We had uh, a lot of Christians that were emailing us, wanted to know if we could let them know where that scripture was in the Bible. And, of course, we had to, had to tell them uh, there's no such a scripture. It doesn't exist because Bush was, in fact, not quoting the Bible, he was referring to John Page, the Virginia statesman who, after the Declaration of Independence was signed, wrote a letter to Thomas Jefferson. By the way, both of these men are considered illuminist by people on the inside. He wrote a letter to him, and he said, We know the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong. Do you think an angel rides in the whirlwind and directs the storm? Now, Bush was either quoting John Page or he was quoting Joseph Addison's 1705 poem, which was quoted by John Page, uh, the campaign which had to do with the war between uh, you know, the British and the U.S., in which he talks about the angel in the whirlwind directing the storm. But here's what I want your, your listeners to think about. If you read all of Addison's poem, which is freely available uh, on the Internet, you will find that the angel that he's talking about who directs the storm hurls death and terror over the guilty land. Now, of course, Addison was talking about Great Britain. I don't know who George Bush was uh, talking about, and I don't even think uh, it matters, because that reference was received by uh, adepts of esoteric knowledge as an acknowledgment of the powers of the air, the angels of the whirlwind the 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 early church referred to them as archons and cosmocrators and the early church was actually afraid of them so much so that the apostle paul even wrote to the church at ephesus and told them that part of their warfare for the control of their mind, for the control of their flesh, for uh, to defend themselves against psychotronic invasion, Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus and told them that these forces were part of the spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies that uh, war against the peace of our mind, partly through fear and, uh, manipulation. Now, <laughs> Steve, isn't it interesting? Uh, thinking about how psychological and psychotronic warfare uh, could be part of the current global scheme of things. Isn't it interesting how the current administration started its tour of office by acknowledging the angel in the whirlwind who hurls death and terror over the guilty land? Now, I would say to those people who think that that first inaugural speech, maybe perhaps that was a mistake. It was written by speechwriters. The president wasn't even aware of what he was saying, which is difficult for me to accept, given that it was his inaugural uh, speech. But even if that were the case, look at this most current inaugural speech, the last time around, uh, when many believe that uh, our president was sending additional messages to Illuminus. When, midway through his inaugural speech, he said this, quote, he said, because we have acted in the great liberating tradition of this nation, tens of millions have achieved their freedom, and as hope kindles hope, millions more will find it. By our efforts, we have lit a fire as well. Now, here's the phrase you need to hear, a fire in the minds of men. It warms those who feel its power. It burns those who fight its progress. And one day, this untamed fire, freedom, will reach the darkest corners of our world. End quote. That, that statement was startling, and there's no way that Bush's speech writers uh, couldn't possibly uh, could possibly have inserted that phrase into this last inaugural speech without knowing its literary origin. It was taken from Dyskowski's, and I can never say his name right, so that's as good as it gets, Dyskowski's novel, The Possessed. And I don't know if you remember um, like oh maybe two weeks later, Pat Buchanan, who's also been a supporter of the Republican Party off and on over the years, and a bit of a uh, of an antagonist and an independent as well, but he has his magazine. I, I think it's called the Conservative or something like that. And remember that there was the whole front page was a picture of George Bush giving his inaugural speech, and above the top of it, it said the possessed. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Well, he he did that because he recognized that that Bush, in his speech, when he talked about a fire in the minds of men, was quoting a book that had been written by Dostoevsky. By the way, that's Dostoevsky. I'm going to let you say it for me, because I can never say it. Okay. <laughs> but, but, uh, his, but I do know that his novel was set in pre-revolutionary uh, Russia. And it was a story in which he was uh, chronicling, basically, the emerging revolutionary movement. And one of the main characters in that book was based on the uh, famous nihilist uh, Sergei Negev, or whatever his name was, whose aim was to make a revolution in in Russia um, of such destructive power that society would be completely destroyed. And the strategy was ironic in the book because it spelled out how through causing causing the government to create a violent crackdown on all dissent, that would then spark an explosion of revolutionary violence among the masses. Now, in, in and, and I'll let you say his name again, but in Dostoevsky's novel...
1: Dostoevsky.
2: Thank you. <laughs> the, the fire, though, in the minds of men, if you read that novel, it was not a yearning for liberty. It was not a yearning for democracy. The fire in the minds of men was a rejection of established order that would end in destruction. Now, when you put those words in, in our own president's mouth... Uh, i I don't want to. You know, I don't want to speak for the president. I can tell
1: you this. It sounds to me like uh, basically you'd something you'd hear something coming from the lips of Abaddon or Apollyon, the destroyer, because I know what that means, and you know what that means. And drawing those two things together, Tom, I'm I'm sitting here basically with my mouth open, going, How could I have missed that in the inaugural speech? I did, but now well, now listening to you, you know, again, it's one of those epiphanies. Of course.
2: Of course, because you see what's going on in the world today, and Steve, you see more than a lot of people see, because you also see some of what's going on behind uh, the press that's fit for human consumption, public consumption. This was a declaration, not for freedom. It was a manifesto for social destruction.
1: Right. You know what? And and that's something that people then could put into context if you take the words about – and look, I'm not – making this up, but as you know, uh, several times the president went on record as saying the country would be better off if it was a dictatorship, and if you put the history of dictatorial enterprise into the equation, it lays out perfectly. Do you really believe that coming from the skull and bones and the secret society and the influence of the occult in his father, uh, previous President Bush's life, that he could not know what he's saying?
2: No, no, no. He knew exactly what he was saying, and I'm just trying to be kind.
1: Yep, but I understand. I, I, my question is rhetorical.
2: It's rhetorical, and, 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 and of course I understand exactly what you're saying, and that's why I said this was received as a message to various Illuminous people that are part of the skull and bones and beyond.
1: So in essence, he's declared worldwide uh, you know, the, the death of the old so the rising of the phoenix can follow.
2: With a, with a sneer on his lips... Believing that I think the rest of us are too ignorant to know how the chess pieces are being moved. Look, look. Let me let me let me remind some of your listeners, Steve. I know you know this. We're we we're, we're hearing all this government talk about spreading democracies to other countries by the way that that are going to get it whether they want it or not.
1: <laughs> kind of like someone giving someone a. Uh sexually transmitted disease to make them part of the crew.
2: That's exactly right. But what I would tell people now that we're staring down the barrel at Iran, one thing to keep in mind on the eve of our next invasion and potential nuclear war, and i, and I, and I got to tell you, I know, I'm, because I get harangued at Raiders News Update all the time, and I get Christians emailing me all the time, uh, how, how can you say you're a Christian and you don't support George Bush? Uh, and, and there's a point at which I just have to turn it off, it, because for me, and I don't mean to sound arrogant, but people either can think or they can't think. They can either they can either be uh, capable of critical analysis. There are many things that our president has done that I have agreed with, but but right now, folks, we're talking about the end of the future as you know it. We're talking about a Nuclear war, we're talking about something that will change at the macro level every part of your life, every part of your future, every part of your children's future. And this is something that the American public had better know about and had better be uh, um, critically uh, engaged uh, to be able to uh, to deal with. But, but I'm going to get off track here and start preaching. Well, let me ask you here.
1: this, too. Here's the thing, Tom. Do you believe, and this is something that's important, and we'll get to it in the second part of the show for sure, but given the mindset of most Christians in America, and I don't buy. Maybe I don't think you do either. When they when they have all of the different uh, surveys and polls, how many you know people supposedly are believing Christians? If they're believing Christians, it's only in intellect and not through experience. Right. But given the speeding up of the situation, before you came on tonight, I was taught, and I'm not gonna. I'm not veering. I want to get you right back on track. But the fact that Syria has pulled uh, the trigger on the U.S. dollar is a domino of incredible significance. But this is not without uh, uh, precedent because, I mean, P-R-E-C-E-D-E-N-T, we are right at the verge of, of, of basically the quantum shift, the change. You can use the new paradigm. You I can mean, use all the new age words that they use, but basically all hell's getting ready to break loose. And maybe it would be more correct to say, based on what you and I, are talking about parallel websites and stuff. All hell has been released, and it's soon to be played out before the hearts and minds of men.
2: Well, some, uh, some of it has been unleashed already. And, and when you and I talk, we talk both in terms of the spiritual dynamic and then also the physical dynamic, which sometimes is, is, uh, is following, uh, so that things are put into motion spiritually before they're put into motion physically. And sometimes by the time you see what's happening in the physical plane, and when I say spiritual, I'm not talking about Christian. I'm talking about esoteric. I'm talking about world controllers, world bankers, people who, who believe in their own mind that they are in control of the future of, of, of the world. Now, Steve, you and I wouldn't agree with that, and because we know prophecy, we know that there's a day coming where Christ the King is going to return, and the Bible says that the governments of the world will be on his shoulders. So we look to that, but we know that in the meantime, there's a game being played by super powerful persons uh, uh, and, and, and the irritating part of that is that it tinkers. With the momentary, uh, time that each of us spend our lives on this earth, and each of us in our own small ways care about our homes, we care about our kids, we care about their future, we want to send them to college, we want to see their grandkids, we want them to be successful, and you have to detest how, how, how extremely powerful corporations and politicians and people, uh, look at the rest of us like these little ants that were created by God just to serve their needs. And that brings me back to the point I was going to make a, a minute ago. When you're talking about this stuff that, that that has been said in these presidential inaugural speeches, and I'll move beyond that, but... but those messages that were sent, and now what we're hearing uh, from the White House is that we are in the business... Somehow, Somehow, by the way, we went from fighting terror to be in the business of spreading democracy around the world, which is a lot of nice, cute language, but it's terrifying in terms of what it means in changes of our war policy if people can see through it. And I, what I would remind people is now that we're staring down the barrel at Iran, don't forget this. Iran used to be a democracy. Uh, and, and about 56 years ago... And this is all public knowledge now. About 56 years ago, the CIA was working with British intelligence and they toppled the duly elected Democratic Prime Minister of Iran, a man by the name of Mossadegh, and we brought in the tyrannical Shah. And and, and I, I was old enough during the Shah's reign to remember uh, how much he depended on the U.S. and the whole game that was being played in the control of oil and, and all of those things. We brought him into power. and be, And because we did that, Steve, we set into motion anti-American backlash uh, in the Middle East that eventually toppled the Shah in the, in the late 1970s and began the spread of this Islamic militancy under the Ayatollah Khomeini and others. And now, and now we're still talking. Uh, about how we're going to go in and we're going to take out these threats to world peace, uh, the militants that are there, and and how are we doing it? We're still playing the fear card. We're using fear tactics to scare uh, to psyop the us population into giving up their rights, into giving up their tax dollars in order to support what otherwise would be an incredibly unpopular notion Now, there are a lot of people and a lot of Christians, and 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 I can give them credit for this, who supported the uh, when we went into Afghanistan. There are a lot of my friends who supported going into Afghanistan, and I and I completely understand why we, why they do, because there is some sense that we had intelligence that connected 911 to the Taliban and to the Al Qaeda and that that intelligence was pretty good and not only was it pretty good the al-qaeda and the taliban weren't even denying it they were bragging about it and so uh... we we followed our old war policy that says we keep our nose out of your international business but if you attack us if you kill one american we kill a thousand of you if you take out if you if you take out one of our cities with a nuclear warhead we will decimate your entire country that always was our war policy don't tread on me but now, all of a sudden, in the last few years, we went into a sovereign country which we had never had good intelligence connecting it to 911, and it irritates the blazes out of me because I listen to these people like uh, Rush Limbaugh and Watch it over there on the on the spin zone. He calls it the no spin zone, but the spin zone's what I call it. I listen to all of these guys, and it, it irritates me how they continue to trick the public. Into connecting 911 with our invasion of Iraq, we have never to this day provided intelligence that connects Saddam Hussein, who was of course a tyrant, who was a terrible human being, just like the leader of 40 or 50 other countries around the world who are terrible human beings and who misuse their population. And we invaded that country, and we had to have gone in for reasons other than what we stated. Now, I I, I want to apologize to you, Steve. Sometimes, you know, I pastored 25 years, and sometimes the old preacher in me can take over, and I start preaching instead of doing a radio interview. Well, no, no, no. No,
1: Look, the deal is is that what we're talking about is psychotronics. What we're talking about is something that you've drawn my attention to, and and quite candidly, I'm flabbergasted. You know, one of the enjoyment I have in interviewing you, Tom, is I know that when my mouth drops open, uh, you know, I I begin to go into my hyper-thinking mode. And in my hyper-thinking mode, I go, of course, how could you have missed it? But here's the deal. The bottom line is, is that we are dealing with very, very wicked spirits. The Bible makes it clear that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalized powers, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Based on what you have brought to the listener's attention tonight, just in quoting uh, the phrases out of the inaugural speeches, what this tells me is, is that, to To the uninitiated, those of us that don't know this stuff unless God makes it clear to us you know that oh, this is a noble cause against terrorism. what this is is nothing more than the free world wars that Albert Pike basically declared in his you know his letter to Mazzini that was going to be initiated in the, the last great war and i I got to tell you, as a student of the Cold War as someone that used to uh, follow this stuff like on every bated bre- with bated breath on every statement coming out of any place in the world for about a decade. Where we're at now is scarier than hell itself because yeah, right. where we're at now is absolutely there are people that are determined to destroy. And I think, you know, that's why I said it sounds like the words of Apollyon or Abaddon, the, the destroyer, because again, and as you know, you used Apo Leon as your bad guy in the Aramon Gate. Right. But the point being is now we've got uh, we've got I think what set in motion. And again, I, I just got to get back to the Syria thing. It's all like it's a grand puppet stage, and the puppets are jumping to the strings of those who are pulling them in the unseen realm. Now, what should a person do once they say, "You know what? I, I think you're 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 telling me something, Tom Horn." You're telling me something, Steve Quayle, that I need to really uh, look into. Now, from a scriptural standpoint, God does provide an answer, because the Apostle Paul specifically stated, and first of all, let's go to the words of Jesus. Jesus said, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. That must have been both houses of Congress, by the way. (laughs) And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, the point is is that the authority that's in the name of Jesus, you know, in the esoteric realm, and I think this is, you know, Tom, I, I always have to go really lightly here, and I do it with, uh, you know, trepidation, but in the spirit realm, as you know, the occultists believe in a hierarchy, and there is a hierarchy of the control of demonic and fallen angel forces by using different names, if you will, the authority. In other words, the captain of the demons has control over the sergeant, the demons, etc., etc. Many people point to the statement in Scripture where Jesus asked Legion, "What is thy name?" He knew it, but obviously he was teaching the disciples and everyone around that these things, these entities, have names. But in that Scripture I just quoted, Luke 10:19, Jesus said, "In my name," you know what I'm saying. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now take it from there, because you and I will run out of time if we don't give people the biblical answer to all this madness.
2: Because <laughs> we always seem to run out of time, don't yep, we? Yep. Well, that's good. You know, that's a trick of mine. That's a way of getting back on your great show all the time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, the bottom line is, is that we, we you know, we have. Uh, here, here's a question I want you to answer, because this is a good one. Uh, he said, Steve, what's Tom's opinion regarding the boundary between personal character and the choices of people like the present and the element of control exerted by the fallen ones? Do either of you think that the responsibility rests more with uh, the present and his illuminated uh, brothers, or do you think that the essentially everything lies in the palm of unseen hands?
2: Well well, I don't think you know, there would have been no there would have been no reason for the Apostle Paul to write much of what he wrote he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament uh, to the various churches that were spread throughout uh, Asia Minor and much of what he wrote dealt with this whole subject of spiritual warfare and there would have been no reason for him to do that if uh, it's beyond our control including uh, the president I mean you know you read the you read the history of the world and you also read the history of the Bible and you find that there were uh, kings, there were leaders of countries who, who uh, did well for a while and then they started following the wrong path and God would communicate to them through the prophets. And sometimes they chose to stop in their tracks and do the right thing. And when they did, God would extend their empires, God would uh, give them extended life, he would do these good things. And, and uh, on the other hand, when they continued to resist the will of God, their guts would split open and their guts would fall out on the floor uh, and they would die. And so it always goes, I, I don't think that you can look at any of this, including from the president on down, as being a situation that is beyond anybody's control. What I do think that you should understand is that there are forces within the world. All of, the, you know, Ephesians 6, he talks about all the different principalities and powers and whatever, but then he says, wherefore? take unto yourselves the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand those temptations and having done, or withstand an evil day, and having done all to stand. Now that's a message, and you know, if you read my book, The Aramon Gate, you see where the president himself finds himself at a point where he realizes he's been duped. You remember that in the book? Yep. The president himself realizes that he's been duped. Now, the book doesn't go on to say whether he repents or he doesn't repent or whatever, but it illustrates to us that even presidents can be duped by their advisors, by people around them. And I want to give George Bush that uh, that benefit of the doubt, that between his advisors, the neocons who continually pull at his tail, and by the way, Ladies and gentlemen, neoconservatives are not true Republicans. They're not Reagan Republicans. And, 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 if the, and if the GOP wants to survive it, had better get back to that. But I, I don't want to get off in yeah, politics.
1: But let me share this, Tom. i got to tell you something. I had this discussion uh, for an hour in my office today, and, and a, a very lovely uh, wife of one of the guys I know who's a, a very preparedness-oriented guy, she finally answered her own question. She shook her head. There is nothing that can be done politically. When a nation's given over to judgment, and you and I both know this, that without repentance, you, you brought up the different, uh, or alluded to the different passages in the Old Testament where the kings that did that which is right in the sight of the Lord were granted extra years, extra, uh, you know, uh, blessings, but those that rebelled were destroyed. So, here is the question. What should a, and I gotta get you back on track on this, Let's talk about the armor and especially how it applies because none of this stuff is taking God off uh, guard. You know, the fact of psychotronics and the transhumanism, I mean, the, the uh, you know, Ecclesiastes, uh, there, there's so much that, that there's nothing new under the sun, you know. Same old devil, just different package. Let's talk about what the Christian can do, because that's critical. We don't know that we'll be on tomorrow or next week, but we do know we've got on tonight. And I'm not taking breaks to get to the point of what can a Christian do.
2: They're coming from the darkness over 6,000 years ago the citizens of Mesopotamia encountered them. Down through time, tens of thousands of people on every continent of the world have etched their likeness on the walls of caves, chiseled statues of them from solid stone, and prayed prayers to their highest gods to be delivered from them.
1: But prophecy says they will return, and at a time when Babylon, modern Iraq, and Iran is invaded and destroyed.
2: This spring, exclusively from raidersnewsupdate.com, we'll tell you what you need to know about them in the book-length ebook,
1: Stargates, Ancient Rituals, and those invited through the portal.
2: Well, the Apostle Paul talks about taking the helmet of salvation, which is the uh, uh, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, uh, for the protecting uh, protection of the thoughts of your mind. If, if, here's what I would say to your readers, because I, I wrote an entire book called Spiritual Invasion, or excuse me, Spiritual Warfare: The Invisible Invasion which was dedicated just to a study of putting on the armor of God and how you can protect yourself. And, and, and I'm not telling people to buy that book. What I am saying is go to the book of Ephesians and follow the cross notes from the book of Ephesians, other parts of the Bible, because this is a very valuable study that you and I can't cover, not even in 30 minutes. We can't cover this study. But that in, within the Scripture, Paul, Paul wrote also to the, to the uh, Corinthians, And he talks about having the potential to bring every thought into obedience to Christ. And so when you hear, and you will hear, um, these, um, these, these psychological efforts on the part of the current administration, to keep you in bondage, to keep you uh, in fear. Uh, Steve, I was reading this morning Attorney General's uh, uh, Alberto Gonzalez's defense of the you know, the warrantless uh, surveillance uh, thing, and he actually said, he said, he said uh, 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 we didn't seek an act of Congress, we didn't go to the court to get permission for spying, and he said this, we didn't do that because our enemy's listening, and I can't help but wonder if they're not shaking their heads in amazement and smiling at the prospect that uh, you know that we might now disclose even more information. So in other words, he played the fear card. And ladies and gentlemen, that's where we're at right now. Well, uh, Steve, imagine how all of that could be used to impose Big Brotherism into every part of our lives. So this is a day, this is a day and age where uh, Christians need to understand the the, the warfare, uh, that we are involved with, and they need to be students of the Bible. They need to they need to understand what the apostle Paul was talking about when he wrote to the church of Ephesus. It, when 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 you look at when you look at uh, Paul talking about uh, cosmocrators and uh, 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 archons, he's making a military comparison. He's he's referring to these spiritual forces in the same way that we might define the various ranks within the United States Army, where we have privates, uh, over which there are corporals, over which there are sergeants, and so on, all the way up uh, to the top. That rank and file continues all the way to the top. And each one of these spiritual forces have the capacity at some level to, and, and because we're using the popular phrase right now, psychotronics, I'll use that, to psychotronically manipulate uh, human beings. There, are, he talks about wicked spirits. the The Greek word is panaria. These are the these are basically the, the the privates. These are the mass of these common uh, demon soldiers that comprise uh, the hordes of Satan's army. And and and, and you know, some people have. Uh, put into that category, uh, seducing spirits, uh, familiar spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, spirits of fear, all these various spirits by type. those
1: are those are specifically articulated in the Word of God as being specific spirits.
2: no, i'm I'm saying that. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, 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 I'm just saying that because I'm answering a a a question that people have. Well, is that just a generalization? No, that's a very specific category of
2: spirit. Yeah, well, certainly the Bible would not have identified them by title if they were just general, you know, just a a whole bunch of generic spirits. There are particular spiritual forces which, for whatever reason, these are, by the way, these are. These are things that are mysterious to us. We can only interpret them based on uh, hundreds of years of scholarly research into demonology and angiology to understand the various different types of spiritual forces at war for the control of both our minds uh, and our flesh and our spirits and so on. Paul then ramps it up in the book of Ephesians, and he he says, Over these uh, wicked spirits... He says uh, there are these uh, rulers of darkness, and that is the word cosmocrator. And uh, these are kind of um, what? What can I say? These are martial spirits. These are almost like spies. These are these are fo- uh, spirits of espionage. I know that's a <laughs> that's kind of a, a contemporary word, but they're they're secret powers that try to that try to influence earthly governments. Now, there's an answer. To your uh, to the to the emailer a moment ago who wanted to know you know is is this just uh, government officials that are trying to manipulate us is there something uh, behind the veil um, that's what a cosmo crater is they they seek to influence earthly governments and they actually uh, Steve seek to, to work through their human political counterparts that's actually what the Greek word there is 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 uh, insinuating to us. That when you look at global powers, when you look at global powers, there are political counterparts whose minds can be influenced by cosmocrators, who then can also influence law, uh, the way tax dollars will be spent, and all of these things kind of go to: do they or do they not? This is a really deep study. We should we should commit a whole study this sometime. But do they or do they not? Uh, support, let's say, legislation that is either uh, in support of or is the antithesis of morals and ethics as defined by God within the Bible. One of the things that, that compelled me actually to, to originally write the book, The, the uh, Spiritual War for the Invisible Invasion, was the whole idea that individual persons can open in their lives doors through which multidimensional or demonic beings can come and take control of their lives because those persons begin to do things that are an an infringement, they're a repudiation of the moral law of God. And therefore they can even become, at some point, demon-possessed. And then it takes uh, exorcism, it takes a a, a supernatural act to free them from these spirits that have taken over uh, the control of their minds. And I asked myself years ago. I said, "Well, could that also happen on a citywide level?" Well, or how about a
1: countrywide level?
2: Well, that's what I'm saying. A state-wide yeah. level, a country level.
1: I'm talking but, the whole country. You know, somebody and and I want to share this. Someone once said that you can watch the either the embracing of the things of God on a national level as the fruit of that will be made manifest, or a nation can become totally demon possessed. And, and the example they gave was Great Britain. Great Britain, right now, with all uh, you know, there are obviously exceptions to this. But Great Britain has openly, and especially the pagans in Great Britain, have said that they believe. I think it's this year and next year there'll be no Christians left.
2: No, that's exactly right. And and of course you know, Steve, you know my background, and you know that I do consulting work for the largest uh, evangelical organization in the world, and I have um, I have significant problems with much of what I see happening right now in the institution and my last correspondence with the with the state superintendent of the organization which is the largest evangelical organization in the world my last uh, correspondence with him I told him that I fear that the institution this institution is becoming luciferian and, and well that and probably
1: went over good that probably you know <laughs> probably got you as many invitations as it gets me for a, a light dinner talk <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, oh, yeah. You really said that. I got to tell you something. Yahoo. I, I mean, did. Yeah. Well, praise God.
2: And that was and that was just the tip of the iceberg.
1: Oh man, I tell you what, the guy must have melted like uh, <laughs> uh, like an iceberg in the uh, equatorial sun.
2: And and here's why. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to go into that. Man, that is such a different topic altogether. But yeah, but but
1: the bottom line is, you basically said that one of the leading organizations that's prided itself on doing God's work is basically coming under Luciferian control.
2: It absolutely is. And, and and by the way, when I go into these board meetings and I sit down with people who are from the national headquarters of the largest institution in the U.S. or also the state uh, personalities, many of those guys agree with me. And that's the scary part.
1: that they stay in the very thing that you're telling them, look, you guys, this thing is becoming something other than what you think it is.
2: They stay in because, and here's the sad truth of it, uh, Steve. If you build the beast, you gotta feed it. I mean, these guys are drawing six-digit incomes. They're not gonna walk away.
1: Okay, you know. So, in other words, they had depressed childhoods where they didn't realize <laughs> once they built a Lego or a Erector the real fun came in smashing it. Right. Oh I'm just God. being, you know, here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. What we're talking about, we're not talking about earthly warfare first and foremost. We're talking about the influence of supernatural demonic entities at war with the living God. That well, is why people fight, literally, on the earth to fight men who have been given over. I mean, let's face it, it wasn't God's will that when, uh, uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, uh, Arab had a child that the little Johnny or the little a uh, boy I grew up to be a suicide bomber. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But what, what's strange to me, and, and this is what's incredible, Tom, is that I, the whole news media, the whole organism, and it's an organism, is designed to keep everybody fed and dead. What I mean by that is fed with just absolutely vomitous utterings, uh, that make no sense or are totally irrelevant in history, and then to basically keep us anesthetized, kind of like on what I would call life support, but never allowing us to wake up out of the coma to see the truth. And like uh, wasn't it Winston Churchill that said a few men who stumble on the truth now and then, but then they pick themselves and go up uh, or go on, never knowing that uh, what it was they actually stumbled on. that's paraphrasing that's not it word for word.
2: Well, it, 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 it is, and it, and it goes back to what Paul was talking about. You, you war against uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. And then above those, he says, you also war against these um, powers. Powers. The Greek word is exosia. These are high-ranking officials. Now imagine that. Imagine that, that the Apostle Paul said to the uh, church in Ephesus, you're warring against wicked spirits. You're warring against spiritual influences that seek to have their their earthly counterparts represent rules and laws that are the antithesis of the moral law of God. But he said, in addition to that, you're fighting against high-ranking officials. Now. The, the The law of double reference, as you know, from scholarly uh, interpretation of biblical theology could say, okay, but these are these are not necessarily earthly representatives. We're not necessarily talking about the president here. Uh, we could be talking about some uh, you know some other metaphysical spirit or whatever. But that's what Paul said. And then finally, he says, and over those are the principalities, and that right. is the word uh, archon or archai. Basically, Steve, these are the brigadier generals of the militant divisions of Satan's host. And there's only one person over them, and that's Satan himself. He is the, uh, uh, Ephesians says he's the prince of the powers of the air. Jesus refers to him. The Old Testament refers to him. He is the, the king, basically. Over this army, that is that war uh, for the control of our mind. And Paul referred to that military order of evil supernaturalism as principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. And that, of course, is the that, those are the those are the true uh, entities against which we are uh, warring. But Steve, like I told you the other day, I've learned something. That uh, we started to talk about it last time. We, <laughs> we and at some point we got to get there, because can you even imagine that there is a method, a scientific method that is supported by scripture for incarnating? I'm not talking about possession. I'm talking about incarnation of these incredibly ancient and powerful spiritual forces in league with governments of the world that are now at war for the control of the minds of men
1: well I think obviously that's what's going on but how do you get uh, uh, you know uh, the sleepwalking uh, people out there that claim to uh, be believers to recognize the nature and first of all not the nature of the battle that'd be great in itself but that there is a battle.
2: Well, I I don't know how you help people who can't be taught.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. But I mean, you know, like you're using the word archon or archay, you know, from the Greek. And and the, the thing is, from Strong's, that basically the person or thing that commences, the first person or things in the series. That means the absolute leader. Now what we've got, now we need to go here because you just brought up something incredible. We are dealing with the same principality over Persia, i.e. Iran, right. that both the archangel Michael and Gabriel encountered right. in one of the greatest detailed battles of all heaven's uh, uh, representation to those of us who are, are children of the earth. The bottom line is, I mean, uh, descendants of Adam, the point is, is that we are right now, you know, we're not basically dealing with uh, the, the outfielders, man. We're dealing with the head guy. Not only that, Steve, think about this. Uh-oh, that means, that means my jaw's going to drop. Go ahead. No, no, no. Well, I, 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 that's a compliment,
2: by the way. <laughs> Maybe I'm not prepared to talk about that, but think about this. When the prophet spoke of Tyre, Sidon, and so on, we have always interpreted the prophecies of Lucifer or the, or, or, or the descriptions of the fall of Lucifer as what's called the law of double reference. So the prophet is talking about the king of Tyre, he's talking about the king of Sidon, or he's talking about the king of Iran, he's talking about these various kings, and then all of a sudden he falls over into this language that has to do with the fall of Lucifer. And we have always interpreted that as meaning that the prophet was referring both to the physical person and also to the influence that might be existing behind that person that motivates them to do what they do. Correct? Yes, sir. Yeah but what if what if it was meant something completely different? What if in fact there is a knowledge that has been lost uh, between antiquity and today in which there was in fact incarnated spiritual forces who warred against the people of God down through time and the prophets knew it. I'm not talking about people who were possessed. Let me Let me No, wait, no wait.
1: I understand what you're talking about. You're talking about the very same thing because in essence you know when you deal with the the history of giants okay uh-huh. and you're talking about actual entities on earth in a physical body you're talking basically fallen angels either in person with some form of uh, a a physical body and you're talking about the children of the, the angels the the giants And that's what you're saying. Ezekiel 28, by the way, is the scripture that Tom is referring to.
2: And those those personalities, those super-intelligent incarnated, not possessed, incarnated beings, transmogrified, I think, was the term you used last week, which is a theological term, essentially representing the incarnation of a god, a deity, a demon, on earth, in physical form, within its own hosted body, ruling over... uh, And by the way... If, if people think that what we're talking about right now has put us out on the limb, study ancient history because the mythos of ancient history around the world, from the Hebrews to the Assyrians to the Greeks to the Romans, all of the, all of the oldest, most ancient history we have refer to civilizations being ruled over by incarnated, super powerful, fallen angels – demonic personalities.
1: Absolutely. And, And, you know, Tom, that's something that people have got to understand. The entire world uh, deals with that. When the gods ruled men and God, the God of heaven, the only God, basically said enough. And that's when, you know, the wars took place. The wars between God and the archons or the archaes took place. And, And, I mean, you know, that's what, it doesn't matter if you're dealing with the Hindu text, the Mahabharata, uh, the Vinrayana, you know, it doesn't matter if you're dealing with uh, the uh, different epics in history, whether it's Beowulf or, you know, the Babylonian epics. The bottom line is, is that that's the common theme throughout the world, and that's the thing that all these uh, literal morons, and I call them morons, that those who should know better and should at least have enough uh, integri- or in- integrity and honesty, they can't tell the truth because they're bought off by the guys that hold their futures in their
2: hands. And now when you take into consideration what we were talking about last time, and I'm talking fast because I realize we don't have a whole lot of time.
1: we got seven minutes.
2: That scientists studying the connection between animals and humans are repeating today, if you will, the transgenic sciences that were employed by the watchers, wherein the genetic code within uh, animals... Uh, which give it instinct beyond ours, and and even the possibility to see spirits, like we were talking about last time. Imagine if we have um, cyborg soldiers that could. Well, let me
1: tell you this. I've been told that we do.
2: Well, next time I'm on your program, I want to talk about something that DARPA is heavily invested.
1: Sure, you know, and and ladies and gentlemen, you you need to understand something. When billions of dollars are appropriated for this stuff, that doesn't mean that these guys are sitting around hiring uh, Marvel cartoonists to come up with a new comic book. They're serious, and I want to go on record as stating that the idea of Universal Soldier or even the Solar Soldier is already very well advanced. And uh, I can I, I won't even go into it on the, at this point because it's that that disgusting.
2: Well, in our last interview, Steve, you referred to scientists that were checking into the neural code, basically learning how the mind uh, communicates. It's bits and uh, pieces and matrixial information that fire back and forth like new- <laughs> neurons and all that. Uh, and and I don't have time to talk about that either, given the time of the night that it is. But I went back and did some research based on what you uh, said. And holy smoke, Aronies, man! I mean, analogous to the to the uh, to the machine code of the digital computer that we call our brains, DARPA right now is doing heavy investing in in cyborg soldier capacity, where soldiers on the battlefield can basically be downloaded into, like you might see in the Matrix. But, I, but 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 there is another dimension here and, and God help me we gotta talk about this.
1: Go ahead, go for it, I'll shut up.
2: <laughs> I ask myself because if you're talking about if you're talking about persons, whether they be whether they be part of our intelligence community or soldiers or whatever, who might be in league with invisible forces in a way that heretofore, Steve, has never even been dreamed of. I asked myself, why would it be necessary to change them at the genetic level? I mean, people who choose to be uh, possessed or who choose to be in league with evil forces uh, would not need to be genetically modified. There there have been all kinds of people down through history who were not not genetically modified uh, who were in league with evil forces. But this is when I was reminded That there is a difference between possession and incarnation, and what was happening in Genesis six was way beyond possession.
1: Absolutely, it
2: was incarnation of fallen angels who had the uh, and and by the way the capacity for offspring.
1: Well, they had the ability to morph and to acquire, you know, in the in the physical realm any of the. I just say it like it is. Be blunt. The plumbing. And the rest that goes along with the plumbing to get the job done.
2: Yeah, and if you look at some of the ancient uh, depictions of them, uh, well, I'll just... Well, enter- let's
1: just say this. And, and le- I can do it tactfully, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I used to not be able to. But the Bible makes it very clear that when God rebukes the uh, women of, of, of his hand upon the Israel- Israelis' lives, he, he rebuked them for going after the Egyptians because they were proud of flesh, right. and, and all of the uh, pre-opas, P-R-A-P-U-S, and all of that stuff basically had to go with, here's the deal, this is the basis of all Oblisks, this is the basis of all of the Viagra, Cialis commercials, right. this is the uh, basis of all the enhancement stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, you may not know it, but when you see that smiling guy jumping into a pool on TV, and coming up without his swimsuit on, that's not just an ad for Enzite or whatever it is. It's, uh, it's, it's the whole spirit that's been released. In other words, this is their, this is their pride. This is their ultimate uh, uh, expression of contempt for the boundary that the living God had placed upon them. And we get it blasted on TV night and day and spammed on our email uh, incessant.
2: And when we talk about it at the spiritual level, we want people to remember that uh, Daniel... Chapter 3, Whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seeds of man. They shall not cleave to one another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. When you compare that to Genesis 3.15, uh, I will put enmity between thy seed and the seed of the woman. We are talking about the astonishing idea that that these fallen powers can have offspring Absolutely. that they can procreate after themselves. Steve. If we if we do this again, we have got to talk about this deeper level.
1: Well, I'll announce it, you'll announce it, but Tom will be back. Tom, thank you so much, and like I say, time just flew. Bye-bye.
2: Thank you, Steve. Bye.